0: Jesus is the only way that I can have the peace in my life that I want and that I need and that I desire. And apart from him, I can't have it. Because he is the only one who brings me peace. That he can bring me joy in my suffering. And I love music. And how it portrays what we believe. And how it reveals what the Bible says. Because music, when you... When you put words to a tune, it sticks with us. Sometimes we can't get rid of it, and that's annoying. Sometimes that's a good thing. If you just have a, a song that God gave you or a truth from his word, and you can remember it in song, it is phenomenal. And it stirs our emotions, and it becomes very powerful for us. And as we're studying as a church what we believe, how do I as a Christian, how do we as the church here at Cross Plains that represents Jesus everywhere we go and in everything that we do, how can we better think, act, and be like Jesus? We're in the last part of our believe study in chapter 23 of 30, looking at these different attributes, these virtues that I'm to have in my life. We talked about love, and we talked about joy over the last couple of weeks. If you miss those and you want to catch up, they are uploaded. We have them on our website at crossplainschristian.com. Um, but today we're talking about peace. And a peace that only comes through Jesus. It's the peace that only comes through that relationship that you can have with him. Or maybe that you do have with him. Because Jesus came for everyone. And he came for anyone. And he came to lay his life down so that everyone could have their sins forgiven. And that God can look upon me and he can look upon you. And he can see you as forgiven and as a child that your sin is covered by the blood of the Lamb. And when that is the case, God talks about how when we follow him and when I want to be obedient to his word and what he's teaching and what he's calling me to do in my life. The Bible talks about that, and Jesus uses this this idea that we are to produce fruit in our life as Christians. That is the evidence that I have Jesus in my life, and I'm trying to be obedient to follow his commands, that I'm going to have fruit that's in my life. Now, I can't make that happen. God is the one that brings that, that cultivates, that produces that in our life. But Jesus also said that he, people will know that you are his follower by the love that you have for one another. That's why it's so important when we have a, a list that the Apostle Paul gives us in the book of Galatians chapter 5, where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, and that, here's my little, well, one of my little preacher things. You know, words matter. They're important what we say. It's the fruit. It's singular. These are all attributes that we're to have that God can give or bestow on us in our lives that all these things, God wants these to be the attributes of my life. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Jesus says, by the love that you have for one another, so people will know if you're really following after me. Love, joy, and peace. Peace. We need peace in our lives. We need peace in our families. We need peace in the world. But peace apart from Jesus just isn't attainable. It's not going to last, and it's not going to be something that would be sustaining for us. And that's why God knows, because he is our creator, and he knows what we need better than we do. He knows that we need this peace in our life. He knows that we need to be willing, that I need to be willing to trust God in his word and what he has taught me and what he has promised and what he continues to teach me in his word. That's why we spend time in our Bibles. It doesn't matter how long you have or have not been a Christian. Once Jesus gets a hold of your heart and the Holy Spirit convicts you, we grow by spending time in our Bibles, which is the word that we got from God, and it teaches us. It doesn't matter if you grew up in your church your entire life, and you live to be 150, and you're always there and always involved. You should always be growing in your faith, that God always has something that he wants to teach you, and he always has something that he wants to teach me. Now, it's true how life works, that there are those seasons where it becomes more difficult or your faith isn't as strong as it once was, or as you wish that it would be, or maybe as strong as you wish that, hey, it should be by now. I turned my life over to Jesus a long time ago, but I'm still struggling, and I have doubts. But what God does is that he redeems, and he restores, and he brings us his peace in our life. So hopefully what happens when we're following after God is the, the overall trajectory of my life. The longer that I'm a part of the church, That I grow and I grow and I grow in my faith. That I grow in my knowledge about what God has taught us. About the things that I need to know. And that I grow not only in knowledge, but that my obedience matches my knowledge. Because if my knowledge isn't backed up by my obedience, that knowledge doesn't do me any good. It might win me a game of Bible jeopardy, but that's not what God called us to do. He called me to come and to understand his word so that he can teach me and then to have my life back up those beliefs. The longer that I am a part of his kingdom, what I hope and what I strive for through God at work in me is that I grow in in not just what I understand about his word, but in how I live it out and by the things that I do. Have you ever thought about what might be your favorite book of the Bible? Have you ever thought about that question before? We could open it up to the whole thing all the way Genesis to Revelation. You could think about what's your favorite book. If you don't have a favorite book and you're a Christian, you should probably get one or at least think about that sometimes. Because that's not to say one is more important than the other. But if I think about specifically the, the Gospels, the books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, And Luke and John that tell us the story of Jesus about his life and about how he taught and about what he did. If you think about those for a little bit, I wonder if you would have a favorite. Because they all tell the story of Jesus, but they tell it in a slightly different way because it's the truth of Jesus inspired by the Holy Spirit. But it's through a person and through their personality. And it's also these letters are written to specific places and times and those things come out. For me, it kind of just depends on which one I've read the most more recently, which one of my favorite gospel is. I change it all the time. You're allowed to do that, okay? You can do that with your favorite Bible book if you want to. Because there's different things about it, about how Matthew tells the story of Jesus. And there's things that John teaches us that we can't read in Mark. And that's why God gave them all of us, so that we can have the best complete picture of who Jesus is and what he taught and what he did and what he's expecting me to be. Right now, today, I would tell you that my favorite gospel is the book of Mark. I'm going to read a, a, just a couple verses out of there and then some passages from a few other places as well. But what Jesus starts to do if you open your Bibles into the middle of the gospel of John. Did I say Mark? See, told you I changed it all the time. Didn't do it on purpose. Goodness. Goodness. In the middle of the gospel of John, John, John. And what Jesus starts to do in chapters 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, we have these teachings. If you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, uh, that lets us know where Jesus' words are said. Now, all the Bible is inspired by God, and it is his truth that comes out. But we have these teachings of Jesus that happen in in John. And even if you just scan over them and you see what Jesus is doing, what he does in the beginning of John chapter 13 is he washes his disciples' feet. He takes on the, the nature or the posture of a servant, and he serves other people. And then Jesus gives them a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And as I have loved you, so you're to love other people. And then in John chapter 14, there's one of the signs that we get in the Gospel of John, and I'm paraphrasing a lot, I understand, where Jesus says that, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, that I'm the only way, and then he goes on to promise the Holy Spirit. He tells his disciples that once I go away, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and it's going to be to your advantage that the Spirit becomes, because he will dwell with you, and he will be among you and with you all of the time. And then in John 15, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, where there's this passage where Jesus talks about, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He says, apart from me, you cannot survive. A branch that is cut off from the vine cannot live. It might pretend and act like it for a little while, but it's dead once you cut it off from the vine, and it's not going to grow. It's not going to be healthy, and it's not going to thrive. So Jesus talks about this. He says that he is the true vine, and he will take care of us. And then in John chapter 16, Jesus teaches us some more things. It, when he was talking about the Spirit, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I will go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So we have all these things that Jesus is teaching his disciples. And in John 14, 29, here's what Jesus says after he's teaching these things. John 14, 29 says, and now I have told you this before it takes place. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. Jesus is teaching us about things that will happen and that should happen, so that when it happens, that can affirm our faith, and we can go, Jesus told me about that. Talking to his disciples, he told them that these things were going to happen because he knew that it was going to be hard for them to understand it and to digest it and to figure out what was going on and for them to even make any sense of the world. But he said, I've told you these things so that you might believe. And then again, Jesus says a similar statement in John chapter 16, and verse 33. beginning of 16 is where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and Him coming and He says, and I have overcome the world. John 16 reads like this. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I have taught you in giving you these teachings so that you might believe so that you can have peace, so that you can understand, because in this world, you will have trouble, period. We know that. Even if you've never heard that verse of the Bible before, yeah, it's how life works. In this world, I will have trouble, but Jesus tells us as his followers, he says, to take heart and have peace. Why? He says, because I have overcome the world. The foundation of the peace that, maybe you're searching for in your life is a peace that comes from Jesus. A peace that comes from many other sources, temporary and fleeting and will let you down. But a peace that comes from knowing Jesus and knowing that you are, that he gave up his life for you. And that he wants to use you in his kingdom to reach other people who don't know Jesus yet or maybe they're really shaky in their faith and they're, they're not sure. But Jesus wants to use you to share his message with them. Jesus taught all through this middle section of the Gospel of John to his disciples so that they could believe and so that they could have peace. Even when they can't understand, even when they can't explain it to other people, he says, I want you to have peace. Because Jesus, better than anybody else, knows my heart. And Jesus knows that my heart gets in turmoil sometimes and that the things that go on in this world that I can't control, that I can't do anything about, and they can wreck our faith if we're not careful, if we're not rooted in the truth that God has given us, and the, our, the peace can just be gone. But Jesus knew that we needed it. He knew that you need peace in your life. He knew that people would long for that, and that's a message I think that people in our world need to hear. I think it's something that they can resonate with. They can understand. Do you want a life that is filled with love and joy and peace? Yeah, absolutely. Sign me up. That's at the very core of what we should have as Christians. If I love Jesus, and I'm going to keep his commands, and I'm going to have that evidence in my life by loving one another and having that evidence in my life, having the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace. You might define peace as a, as an absence from worry. I think a lot of times at, at the core of maybe not having the peace is that, or having this worry that comes up is that there's a failure to fully trust in God. Been there. I am there still sometimes. To fully trust God in what he's doing is so hard. But it's what he's asked us to do. Because above all, anything else, we can trust God. Even in the times where we may not feel like it. But when we believe in his word and his son, and we believe it to be true, and he says that we can trust him, and we can have a peace that comes from him. What Jesus stresses here is that the love for God that the disciples are to have. He tells them that there's many rooms in my Father's house and that I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if that wasn't so, I wouldn't say it because Jesus only says things that are true. He only says things that he can control, which is everything, by the way. But he says, I'm going to go and do it, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And I'm not going to leave you by yourself, to fend for yourself, to have to figure it out, but I'm going to establish this thing called the church. And It's going to live in and through people. and I'm going to give every Christian the power of the Holy Spirit so that the work that Jesus came and began through his life that we read about in the Gospels, whichever one your favorite may be. I change mine every second, right? Whichever one that is, that we can have this peace that I'm going to follow after God and I'm going to trust him because I know that that is true and I'm going to want to live out my life that way. He's going to prepare a place. That's where Jesus is now, to prepare a place for those that believe. That's the great thing about the message of Jesus is that he is here with us. He is here among us, and we're going to spend forever in the presence of him. He talks about how we're to love one another, Jesus does. He talks about how we're to to love other people as, as he loved us. And we're to model the love and the care that we have for others in the same way that Jesus did that for us and for you. Because what happened is when I disobey God, we call that sin. Is that what I deserve is what nobody wants. When I sin, I deserve to be removed from God forever, period. It's what I deserve. So I need to be really careful about talking about getting what I deserve. Because I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. What I deserve is when I sin, I deserve to be removed from God forever. But, because God is love, that he prepared a way so that when I sin, that that sin can be covered, that I can be forgiven, and it's only by Jesus that I can be forgiven. And that relationship that we have with the Father through the Son is the only way that I can find peace, that I don't get what I deserve, but I get what my Father is willing to give to me. And Paul says in Romans chapter 5, in the very first verse, It talks about peace this way. He says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've been made right before God because of what we believe. And in Scripture, what we believe is always synonymous with what we do. If you say you believe something, but your actions don't back it up, you don't really believe it, Period. It's very blunt, but it's also very true. If you say you believe something, but your actions don't back it up, your actions really speak for me what I really believe. So if I say that I love Jesus, but I'm not willing to follow his commands, what's the truth? I don't really love him maybe as much as I thought that I did. So Paul says, since we've been made right before God by our faith, we can have a peace that comes through Jesus. What Jesus does is he also brings us peace with other people. Not just a peace that we can have in our heart and in our relationship with God and knowing him and trusting him, but he also brings us peace with others. God designed us to live in a relationship with one another. And relationships are, are messy. Relationships are difficult because people are involved. Anytime people are involved, things become messy and difficult. That's just how people work. But he's called us to live at peace with one another and as much as we can to live at peace with one another. To live at peace with others, and the peace that if you don't have it, or if you want more of it, or a bigger measure of that, it only comes from Jesus, and that you've got to die to yourself to be able to have this peace. That's why Jesus said, and it's recorded in the Gospels. He says, "If you're to come after me, you must if you're to come after me, you must deny yourself daily. and Follow me." When I think about peace. Uh, Another word that comes up to me a lot is surrender, surrender, surrender things over to Jesus because I want to trust him, that I want his will to be done and not my will to be done. As I was thinking about that, and I'm in the same boat as Keith and maybe a lot of you others, that music is very powerful and it speaks to us. So I thought of a song that I wanted you to hear. Um, So I would encourage you to listen to this, um, a song about surrender. And think about how closely this is tied to peace. Would you listen?
1: My poor Hey!
0: Romans 12, 18 says, As far as possible, as, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Is that the song of surrender by uh, Shane and Shane. Uh, being willing to surrender all that I have to Jesus because I can trust him. There's another refrain when I was thinking about songs of surrender and how I need to be willing to surrender my will over to God's will if I want to have the peace that he promises and that he talks about. There's a song by Jeremy Camp, and the chorus goes: "He says that all I am, all that I am is for you, my Savior. I live by Your word and surrender to You. Here where I stand in this moment, Father, my spirit has been renewed. Surrender, not because God is more powerful, but He is. But surrender because I I know." I want to know, or want to believe that I can trust and that God is, is good and that He wants the very best for me in ways that I can't see right now. But I'm, we, you, need to be willing to, to trust God and to surrender over to Him because a lot of times I want the peace that God talks about in His Word, but I don't want to trust Him with my life. So if I really want these peace, to be a fruit or an earmark in my life, I've got to be willing to trust God and to follow after his commandment, to love others, to love God, and to love my neighbors as myself, to have joy, to have an outlook on life that's not based on my circumstances, and that I can have peace. And I don't think that peace comes until we surrender ourselves over to God. One more passage of scripture, and then I'll close with prayer. It comes from the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, and let your request be made known to God. Practice these things that you've been taught from God. And then as Paul closes here, he says, and the peace of God will be with you. Let's pray. Father, may, may all of us as your children, whether we recognize you or not, God, may we pay attention to these attributes that we're to have in our life. God, there's some that maybe we know that I need, but we don't really want to ask you for to pursue that because we know that means that our life's going to have to change. We're going to have to look at the things differently. But Father, I pray for everyone here that's listening, God, that you make evident to us which of these um, characteristics of a follower of Jesus that we can read about in Galatians 5. God, which of them we're lacking in the most. And, God, just give us a desire to cultivate that, to have that to grow in our life. And, Father, in different parts of our life, we're going to have these different attributes and different measures. But, God, I pray that you, you give us what we need. Um, God, because you are good and you, you take care of us and you love us. Father, may we have an outlook on life that uh, flows from Jesus. And we look at others how Jesus would. God, may we really embody this idea, this biblical truth of peace that you talk about. And God, I pray that you just give that, give it to us. God, because that's what you want us to have. That's what you want us as the church to look like. That's who you want us to be. That's how you want us to act. And, God, what I find is that when my will aligns with your will, all this stuff gets sorted out a whole lot better. God, sometimes it's really hard to trust you. But, God, I pray that when um, we go through those situations in our life where it is difficult and we have questions and we don't know where to turn to or where to go, God, that we continue to pursue you through that. And, God, that you reveal yourself to us in mighty, mighty, mighty ways. God, fill us with your peace as we go from here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.